It's the TEH podcast, episode number 177. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. I still feel like I'm burping turkey. I mean, it's it's one of those <laughs> things. It's, it's now almost like a week and a half since Thanksgiving. And, yeah. um, you know, last week we were off unexpectedly because I basically got overwhelmed with a bunch of stuff that was happening here. And, mm -hmm. um, um, and just now I'm on this post holiday. Okay. Let's mm. get back to normal for a bit. There were a couple of other things going on during Thanksgiving, but we had a unexpectedly large crowd for Thanksgiving dinner and it was hectic and it was noisy. And, and in many ways it was good. And in many ways it was really stressful because ultimately I'm an introvert and would rather eat alone. So <laughs> how was your holiday? How was your best uh, it was weeks good for you. It was good traveling uh, to see family. So uh, which gives it bookends, you know, because it starts when you leave yep. the house and yep. get on yep. a plane and then it ends when you arrive back at home and all of that. So um, it's a little easier transition. Right. Uh, yeah. When you, when you travel and the usual travel stuff, uh, you know, dealing with having, getting laptops and VPNs working and, and taking care of things while traveling when you're a solopreneur, like, like we are. Uh, you're never really off the clock completely. <laughs> yes, but that means that, <clears throat> as I've told many people, um, my my laptop is Askaleo World Headquarters. So wherever that thing is, is yeah. you know, where where I'm at right now. So we so an interesting thing uh, I did, you know, in relate relation to, to that is so I have I tried I get lots of questions from people as you do, and um, they come in various different from various different channels and the main one i try to tell everybody to go to is i have a forum on my site you have to ask if you want to ask me a question ask me at this forum and one of the reasons for that is that i don't get those questions as email they don't come to me and you know push at me i have mm -hmm. to go to them so i could go and you know basically relax for an evening but if i have 15 minutes spare time i could look and see what questions come in, come in. Yep. yep and another Another thing is I could also turn it off. I could put on that page, hey, the forum's closed right now. Uh, check back tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, Interesting. And usually what happens, uh, you know, and I try not to do that as much as possible, but sometimes I do it, you know, especially if I'm going to be on a plane all day or whatever, I don't want to, you know, get there all tired and find out I've got four questions waiting for me and things like that. So, um, but one of the things I do is I, I put a little thing on the page and it says, uh, the forum is closed right now, try again tomorrow. And people will often try to contact me other ways. Sometimes even saying, hey, your forum was closed. So I thought I'd ask you this way. And it's like, ah, the point of the forum being closed was I didn't want to come, you know, come right. out of being away from the internet to find I had a whole bunch of work to do. Right. Um, so uh, this year I actually put a message that said it's closed for the holiday. Try again, uh, you know, uh, on this day or next weekend or whatever, whatever it was. Right, right. And just just putting those extra couple words for the holiday, I think, you know, got people to think more in terms of like, oh yeah, there's another, there's a person on the other end that has to deal with my question at some point. Right. And it is a holiday week. And you know what? Maybe I'll ask. I'll ask later. I won't try to find some way to tweet at him or, uh, you know, uh, use a, another contact method or something. Right. So it, it, that little bit of psychology actually worked because I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be like, hey, I don't want to be bothered with questions today. I'm with my family. Right. But at the same time, I do kind of want to convey the general sense of if you could, because because one of the things I don't want people to do is say, oh, I've got a pressing question. I'm going to ask it, and now I'm waiting. I want right. them to be like, oh, I have a pressing question. I'll ask it, but maybe I'll also look for my own solution or another right. solution or call Apple support right. or something, you know. Anyway, I, th I think it I think it worked. And I'm going to do that from now on. I'm going to be more honest, I guess. Just say, like, if I need to take a weekend off, I'm going to say, hey, I'm taking the weekend off. At my ask could be on Monday. My approach is a little different. I'm using different technology. It's not a forum, of course. Um, I'm actually using an open source alternative to, you know, you've heard of Zendesk, right? The question and answer, yeah, the, yeah. the support ticketing system. Mm -hmm. I used that for many years, basically to handle my questions so that I could uh, collaborate with a couple of my assistants to make sure all the questions. Right. Can um, I've since moved to an, a free open source uh, equivalent called Free Scout, 
mm-hmm. which I'm very happy with. It's hosted on one of my own servers. But one of the things that happens when you submit a question using one of my forms or whatever is that you'll get an auto response. And that auto response, among other things, says, hey, um, uh, you know, over, over half the questions I get are actually already answered on the site somewhere. Uh, so I understand, you know, part of my role is as a glorified search engine to my own site, right? It's, it's mm, yes. They, they ask the question in the terms that make sense to them, and I realize that oh yeah, it's this article over here. But um, I also try and set some expectations for responses um, that you know you're not going to get a response immediately. Um, it's faster if you can find it yourself. Um, but um, you know, don't don't get your hopes up <laughs> for a quick yeah. response. It's just because I've got a lot. I'm juggling a lot of balls. So I anyway. actually don't. Yeah, I actually don't mind the ones where I act as a search engine for my own site. Right. Um, like, I, I, of course, if it's just like somebody asked a question and I had a video of exactly that six months ago, sometimes I just respond by email real quick. Here it is. Um, but other times it's a mix. It's like, oh, well, you need this, this, and this. I have a yes. tutorial that gives you the basics. I actually like those because sometimes they give me the opportunity to take a video that might be a year or two or three old. Right. And it's buried on the site because it's so old, buried right. in Google search results because it's so old. But the the forum questions that get posted on my site are fresh and new. Right. So sometimes something comes up again as a topic. Yep. And now I get to have a way to refer to it. That's not just me saying, hey, I kind of had the idea that this might be a, a topic people are looking for. Here's an old video. It's like a real question from a real person. And right. anyway, yep, yep. speaking of, yep, speaking cool. of chatting I, and, I also, and, and questions. Before we get into oh, that, a yeah. real quick one. One of the things I also do um, with, again, acting as a search engine for your own site is it gives me a wonderful opportunity to take a look at, you know, this article here, this is what you want, but it sure would be good if it were up to date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? definitely. So it's an opportunity to refresh things. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, um, chatting, asking questions, that kind of stuff. Man, the, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but I've certainly been inundated on uh, all the social medias, since right now I'm playing on a bunch of different ones, um, is uh, this whole thing about chat GPT. It's and they call it an AI, and essentially it's a, it's kind of a chatbot, but it's way way more than that, um, and it's not really AI, <laughs> right? Yeah. I've got an article coming up actually on that. With AI is not AI. Everything we're talking about as AI is really machine learning, but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, the the concept though is that uh, you can ask it things or or converse with it. And it actually comes up with uh, really, really interesting and in some cases, well-written, almost complete answers. Um, It's the only way to really describe it is is by example. And I've actually, I called a couple here uh, earlier today that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, Oh, I should have had them in front of me. Hmm. That would have been useful. there we go. Uh, so I had it write a 500 word biography for Leo Notenboom. Hmm. And it did. Hmm. And what's it, it's, it's the results are mixed. Here's the first paragraph. Leo Daltonboom is a technology expert, writer, and entrepreneur. He is best known for his work as the founder and CEO of a popular tech support website where he offers advice and solutions to a wide range of technical problems. Now realize that this first paragraph of about, I think, seven, um, all I did literally was say, write a 500-word biography for Leo Daltonboom. That's it. And it started pulling out this information about me. Then it kind of sort of went off the rails. Uh, the next paragraph, Notenboom was born in Amsterdam, Netherlands, and grew up in a family of technology enthusiasts, both of which are completely 100% wrong. Huh. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the I, I almost want to say the bottom line here. I asked it the other day, because uh, I said, okay, great. What if people who ask me questions were to ask it questions? How would it do on our technical, the kinds of technical questions that you and I get? And I asked it, um, how do I download and install Windows 11? Hmm. And it started by saying, 
Windows 11 is not yet available, which is again, wrong. Yeah. But then it proceeded to give me three paragraphs, correct and properly written, about how to download and install Windows 10. Huh. Um, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. I did give it one of my other questions the other day. I'm trying, I, I actually don't remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. For that article I mentioned where I'm talking about AI not being AI. Um, I used ChatGPT as an example of machine learning. <clears throat> and as one of the examples, I said, okay, what is the, describe the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning. And it gave me like three or four paragraphs of really well-written and completely accurate information. Um, just again, open-ended, you know, a, a very, I don't want to say it's an open-ended question. Mm -hmm. It's not even a broad question, but it's a, it's a very, it's a question that has an answer. And it did a very, very good job of writing up an answer for me. And I actually will include the text of that answer in the article when it publishes in a couple of weeks. Um, then I just said, okay, fine. Let's, um, I forget which question I, I entered. Um, I had been working on an article, the, which not all of my articles actually are these days are prompted by a question. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, like a recent article was, you know, please set your um, uh, account recovery information, obviously not a question. But there are those things that are very straightforward, simple one sentence questions. So I threw one at ChatGPT. And this is where I start to get nervous because it wrote a very reasonable article uh, compared to what I had just written on the same topic. And it included a couple of points that I'd overlooked. <laughs> right. Mm. So it actually did a slightly better job of covering the breadth of information uh, that was implied by the question that was being asked. Uh, like I said, it's it's right now, it's one of those things where you can't trust it. And by yeah. that, I mean, you know, clearly there are some things where it's just flat out wrong. Mm. However, sometimes it's pretty darn right. And it makes for a very interesting exercise in what uh, machine learning slash artificial intelligence uh, can and cannot do. I'm not concerned about what it is today. Um, it's a tool that I'll probably use from time to time just to spur ideas and make sure I don't miss, <laughs> miss pieces of the answers that I'm supposed to be writing. <laughs> yeah. But um, it still requires the domain knowledge to be able to properly evaluate the answer that it spews back out at you. So it's not something that's going to replace Google search anytime soon. However, it's a red flag to me. It is, it is something that um, in the course of the last year, I'll say AI, this kind of AI has gotten dramatically better and it shows no sign of stopping. And I really do think that um, in the course of say the next 12 to 18 months, uh, we're going to have some of these textual based AIs um, actually doing a really, really good job of answering the very same questions that you and I get and that are often fed into um, Google search. So I, it, yeah, I find no, it, I, I find it both exciting and interesting because it really did such an interesting job. And I love the tech, the, the technology behind it. Um, and I also find it very depressing because I could be AI chatting myself out of a job. Yeah. It, it's funny that you and I had this, both had the same inclination of what to try. I took some of the questions that have been asked of me, fed it in there and saw if the answers came out. So First, I asked a question about creating keyboard shortcuts, uh, and then I got back this nine-step mini article right. that it wrote, I guess, uh, about how to do it. And it was right, but it was for last year's operating system. Right, like it starts yep. off goes, you know. So it, it it was right to a point. Then I asked. Um, a question of something I knew was impossible. Somebody had asked me recently uh, about how to do something in a spreadsheet uh, that I knew couldn't be done. The answer is, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Right. Here's some other strategies. And I asked, and it gave me an answer step-by-step step about how to do that exactly that scared me at first because I thought, what, you can do this? I've been saying you can't. 
And so then I was like, okay. And I tried the steps and guess what? It, it was wrong. Yes. Right. It's basically how to create a linked cell in a way. And it was like copy and paste. And I was like, no, that doesn't work. And it certainly, and it doesn't work. So I was like, okay, it seems like a reasonable answer. But it was and written I, with such conviction. Oh, right? <laughs> extreme conviction. So, you know, and it all seems very reasonable until you try it and realize it doesn't work that way at all. Um, but there's no inconsistency in the steps. You could do all those steps. You just don't actually get that, you know, the nuance of the thing that you're trying to do. And, it, and then it occurred to me that, oh, wait, you know, this whole demo here really is more about language than about being right, I think, at this point. Because, um, you know, if you ask a question, do you get a response back that actually is like not – you know, gibberish that's, you know, actually like a person, you know, a, a reasonably written article or answer. And the answer's always been yes, which is scary because I would think that's the hard part. You know, the actual getting the information right, the facts may actually be easier for them to fix than actually, you know, right. this, uh, right. th this here, even to the point of like, you know, I don't know where this could be like you 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 implied like a good first step. Yes. It's like maybe next time I get asked a question and you know, typing this in to the chatbot, I can actually copy and paste and then correct it to make it the right answer, probably yep. a lot faster than writing it from scratch. I I have had that very thought. So I haven't done it, haven't done it yet, but it's it's very tempting. Yeah. Interesting. Um so uh, you'll remember that I um, I told you the first paragraph of my yeah the bio the yeah biography right Leo Notenbaum is a technology expert yada yada um, the 500 word biography for Gary Rosenzweig okay Gary Rosenzweig is a technology expert author and entrepreneur he's best known for his work as the host and producer of the popular Mac Most video podcast where he offers advice and tips on using Apple products. The style of the response right down to the phrasing mm -hmm. um, is extremely similar to my own biography, to the one that yeah, it created for sure. me. Um, what I'm curious about, and I'm going to hear in real time at the very bottom of our shared document, I'm posting in what it, or pasting in what it wrote um, about you. And I'm curious if you can scan that over and see if it got things correct. For uh, oh. example... <laughs> were you were you born in Chicago? I've never been to Chicago. There you go. Did so, you grow up in a family of technology enthusiasts? Eh, I would not. I would not. Uh, was your dad a computer teacher. programmer? And, no, but he was an enthusiast. Nah, <laughs> I mean, it's not. That's not where I got. Uh, no, and he was not. No, definitely not. Let's see. Uh, no, uh, did tech, did uh, develop a passion for technology at a young age. That's true. Um, computer, tinker with computers when he was just a teenager. True, even earlier. Um, I did not go to the University of Illinois. Uh, I did study computer science at another university that's all over the place. I mean, right. you know, like it's not hard to find out where I went to school. Right. Um, I did not graduate any school in 1995. <laughs> uh, I graduated uh, one college in 92, then a grad degree in 94. Uh, I did not start working for a small tech company in Chicago. Never been there. Um, let's see, 2003. Oh my, this is pretty long. 2003. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, no, I did not start MacMost in 2003. It started 2006. Um, so yeah, just scanning through the rest. Uh, trusted source information. Well, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> several books on technology. Yes, those are kind of right. Um, so what's interesting about my own, um, so I I know for a fact that there are other Leo Notenbooms on the planet. Um, as unique yeah. as my name is, I know that there are others. Uh, do you know if there are any other Gary Rosenzweigs? I know of one, but not Chicago related, not computer related. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, there, there may be another Rosenzweig somewhere connected with Chicago, but not the one I can think of. Well, that's the um, that's the thing that I was wondering about is in wherever it collected its information from, was it conflating more than one Leo Notenboom? Because there are in fact more than one Leo. There is in fact more than one Leo Notenboom. Yeah. Um, and however, um, you know, and for, for example, being born in Amsterdam kind of implies it's a different Leo Notenboom. Uh, 
but uh, it, it says that uh, there are books that I've written that to the best of my ability to search for them on the internet don't exist, not by me or by anybody else. Um, it's very, very bizarre that um, it's coming up with all of these quote unquote facts that uh, are uh, at best alternate facts <laughs> well, and, and certainly yeah. not true. The other thing that I found really, really interesting, um, I want you to read along your final paragraph while yes. I read my final paragraph. Oh, okay. Today, Today Note Garrett Boom continues to be a leading, the leading voice. voice in the technology yep. industry. He is he known, is for, known his for his engaging presentation style yep. <laughs> and his expertise in using Apple products. He remains an active member, member of the, of tech, the community tech community and continues, and continues to, to offer valuable advice and support, and support those to in those in need. need. <laughs> <laughs> Which cracked me up. I think you and I are part of some sort of like league of tech tech helpers, like the League of Justice. I suspect that the there same are probably half a dozen people whose name we could put into this little exercise, and they would come up with substantially similar biographies from ChatGPT. Oh, that's funny. Um, let's see, what well, else did I ask it to do? It's got a while to go. I asked it to write an introduction for the TEH podcast. Oh, okay. And it wrote, uh, welcome to the TEH podcast, where we explore the latest trends and developments in the world of technology, entertainment, and health. Each week, we bring you in-depth interviews with industry experts and leaders, as well as discussions on the hottest topics in the emergency, emerging technologies in these exciting fields. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a health enthusiast, or just curious about the future, the TEH podcast has something for you. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey into the world of technology, entertainment, and health. It mm. made quite the assumption about what TEH stood for. Yeah. Um, but had this been that, it was a well-written introduction. <laughs> at least, I mean, at least it sounds right, right? Like I said, it's it's, it, it's, it's very, it's it's written with conviction. Um, and then the, the other one that I, I just decided to throw at it because I expected them to, uh, to have a canned response for this. I was hoping the, well, I'll tell you what I was hoping the response would be in a moment. What is the meaning of life? The mm. meaning of life is a highly subjective and personal question. Some people may find meaning in their relationships with others, while others may find meaning in pursuing their passions or interests. Still others may find meaning in their spiritual or religious beliefs. Ultimately, the meaning of life is something that each individual must determine for themselves based on their own experiences, values, and beliefs. Honestly? Yeah. That's, that's not a that's not a bad answer. No. Um so again, now, of course, I was hoping for 42. Yeah, I know. I mean, come <laughs> on, at least give us a laugh. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, so like I said, I think that we're on a cusp here. Um, I think that uh, the tool is already useful in ways that we've described, but I also see this as kind of a harbinger of things to come. And it's already causing middle school teachers to get very, very nervous because you know high schoolers and middle schoolers are going to enter in their writing assignments into this thing mm. and have it right for them. Um, it's something else that um, uh, you know, our educational or teachers are going to have to be on the lookout for. Not only do they have to understand that it exists and understand what it is, but now they're going to have to try to be able to figure it out. Um, so, uh, it's um, uh, the... the it's on the tip of my tongue. Well, I the, think I the, think yes. Yeah. The site that that uh, we all answer tech questions on from time yeah. to time. Um, uh, anyway, Wara. No, 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 no. Um, uh, it'll come back. Stack to me. Overflow. Stack Overflow. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, they actually went so far as to formally say mm -hmm. that answers generated by ChatGPT are disallowed. Mm because apparently it was happening often enough and the answers were, as we've seen, written confidently enough and still wrong as to cause trouble. Um, I think that that's a bigger problem that we're going to end up having to deal with in, coming, in the coming months, um, especially in the education system. So I'm looking forward to like, you know, all the history teachers uh, next year getting lots of reports that end with 
Thomas Jefferson remains an active member of the U.S. political community and continues to offer valuable advice and support to those in need. <laughs> the thing so that I did notice like that. for some of the questions that I asked, some of the tech questions that I asked it, um, is that it had a very formulaic structure. And by that, I mean um, it would, in some cases, restate or rephrase the question. Mm -hmm. It would then answer the question, uh, often with a series of steps, um, as I think you saw. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the very last paragraph would be a summary, most often beginning with the words, in summary, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if, I mean, that seems like a very obvious structure that may change over time. But I'm just wondering if that's the level of, of analysis that people are going to have to go through to figure out uh, where did this answer come from? And is it is it was it written by a real person or an AI? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I just asked it how to convert a PDF file to text using preview. Oh, cool. um, and it gave me four steps. Open the PDF file in preview, go to file and select export. OK. In the export dialog box, select plain text from the format drop-down menu. Very reasonable, except that that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's image you export from PDF, and you export as a JPEG, PNG, TIFF, or whatever. And uh, so, you know, it almost is like it it did use AI there. It wasn't finding a solution somewhere and then, like, rewriting it in steps. It was inferring that Correct. probably this is the way to do it. And right. I would imagine that if Apple ever added to preview a way to export the text of a PDF, this is exactly how it would be, but it's not there. Right. So interesting. Right. It's very interesting. And, um, yeah, something to... The, the thing that scares me is simply that it's only going to get better. And with that getting better, it's going to get things like you've just described right. Um, it's going to generate accurate bios for you and doesn't, me. It doesn't scare me. I, I welcome, I for one welcome our new AI <laughs> overlords. All righty then. Well, yeah, I, I, I hope if supposedly it'll free up time for us to do something else. We'll move into um, video, which uh, at some, which is eventually going to be taken over by, by AI, but we've got yeah. a longer window of opportunity for us to continue to do what we do before the AI takes over. Yeah. So mm. anyway, well, so that was, yeah. that was interesting. And, and like I said, something that, uh, like I said, on, on all the, the tech social media that I've been paying attention to for the past couple of weeks, it's the talk of the town. Yep. Well, I actually, I want to, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about a similar topic, but I wanted to kind of divide this up because sure. it's not they're not really related um i talk a bit about ask if you've seen the new google homepage. like the first big change to like just going to google.com and doing a search in a while uh have you checked that out i have not i rarely go to the google homepage. well if you do now or just mm -hmm. do a search in the browser you know okay search field okay. uh and you and you get your results doesn't look any different but right. if you scroll to the bottom Right. Instead of actually having to go and say, yes, give me page two, it actually scrolls up and keeps adding, just like every social media network has been doing for years. And other sites like Pinterest and Instagram and all that, um, Google now scrolls. There is no more page one, page two, page three, um, just starting today. And apparently not for everyone, uh, because oh. I just did a search. And yeah. scrolling to the very bottom of the page, I've got the familiar Google with uh, page numbers. Interesting. So, but but this is something we've encountered before, especially from Google. Oh, they, the, yeah, they things do roll forever. out over time. Yeah, I'm doing it right now, <laughs> um, and it it scrolls up, uh, which is interesting um, because for various reasons. First of all. There's probably going to be tons of people that are going to look at this and say, even it didn't do that before, you know, because it's so natural to see what pages that do that, um, right. news pages and all that. Yep. So yep. it's incredible that it didn't do that before. But you and I are old hands at the whole SEO, search engine optimization game. And right. we know that for years and years, decades, really, we've been talking about the whole idea of being on page one, right? You get you have a page right. that answers a question. Somebody searches on Google for that. If you are the first uh, entry on page two, forget about it. Yep. <laughs> you have to be one of those 
entries on page one or no one's going to see your content. Well, this kind of changes that whole game. And, you know, in a way that may actually be different, you know, Google changes their algorithm every once in a while, and that shakes things up, right? Suddenly a really hot website isn't so hot anymore. Somebody that hardly get any traffic suddenly gets, starts getting a flood of it because the algorithm changed. But this case, the algorithm didn't change. It could just be as simple as somebody that's been stuck on page two of Google forever uh, suddenly finds they're actually getting legitimate traffic now because I do, you scroll I to the do bottom and it appears. I do think people are more likely to scroll than they are to click a oh, next yeah. page. Yeah. Well, and, and not even trying, like you don't have to say, well, should I scroll to the bottom of the page? You know, you just do it as you're looking right. down the listings and you get to the bottom and it immediately loads more. Right, right. Whereas in the past, you get to the bottom and it stops and you say, stops. oh, I'm done. Yep. You have to do something. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing that doesn't change though much um, what we used to call then being on the first page, uh, we've also yeah. occasionally referred to as being quote unquote above the fold, right? Which is, it's actually newspaper term for uh, when a newspaper is delivered, it's folded in half and the yeah. stories that are above the fold at the top of the page get the most attention. Now the fold becomes just whatever's on that first page, period. Once you start scrolling, you're now looking below the fold. Um, but the fact it, so there's still value in being above the fold. Oh, it's still value fun. being three instead of five, for instance. But but yeah. yes, but the the negative value associated with being number ten through number nineteen um, yeah. is a little less negative. Yep, yeah, definitely, and uh, it's interesting. And I think it's a uh, when I saw it, I would I didn't believe it at first because it was a small article. Like I thought, no, that's not that that can't mean what it thinks it means because otherwise it would be big headlines. And I was surprised to see as the day rolled out that eh, it's just a small news item. And it's like, wow, I don't know. That a few years ago, that would have been much much higher up in the tech news, uh, you know, hierarchy of important things happening today. But um, but anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning, and it's yep. interesting that you don't see it, uh, and I do. Yeah. Which uh, I, again, if you're just seeing it today, honestly, this doesn't surprise me. If we're both seeing things still differently next week then yeah there's something weird going on but um uh, like i said i've se we've we've both seen this over the years where things don't sure. roll out as quickly to everybody as they uh, uh you know it's not an all, it's not an everybody at once kind of a thing yep cool well i look but, forward but, to, to playing with that i think that'll be good yeah yeah um anyway um so getting back to the whole the whole thing about chat not really about chat but about customer support yes uh in the age of technology there was an article uh this week um about how uh, one of the airlines frontier airlines one of their cost-cutting measures is they're no longer going to have a phone number you can call you know you have a problem with your flight or whatever or mm -hmm. you're you know you have to change something you can't call somebody anymore they're they're getting rid of that mm-hmm and which made headlines because it's like hey, that's an airline you've got tickets on a plane going somewhere <laughs> you know it's a big right. thing and you, there's nobody you can call you know so uh that was a big deal but then it got me thinking about customer support um occasionally i get asked by somebody with you know either one of my online courses or maybe just by answering questions is there a phone can i call you is our phone number i'm like no you can't call me i'm just me i'm sitting here in my home office doing this Right. Um, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not going to ever expand my business into me taking phone calls from people never, but, um, other bigger companies that traditionally would have had phone support are now trying different things. Uh, one of those is actually through Apple. Uh, there's the iMessage system and, uh, iMessage, of course you can send messages to your friends and family and all of that, but there's also businesses that use iMessage. And sometimes when you're in an app on a, say an iPhone, uh, or a web page on an iPhone or your Mac, there'll be a little link saying, get support through iMessage. Right. And it is kind of like a corporate branded iMessage system that you can go into in the same app that you use to text your friends um, to get support from companies. And I've seen this also on websites. As a matter of fact, I look for it. I prefer it, right? When you, and I have a question and it's like, oh, do I really need to call somebody about this? And then there's a little chat thing at the bottom, chat here. And I click on it, hoping that it's real, not like the kind of thing where I could ask a question. And as soon as I'm off track with the script, it says, hold on, you're going to have to call this number. Right. Um, I, I don't mind it being halfway. 
And a matter of fact, I think the best way to do it is halfway. Whereas uh, you start off with the chat where it is a computer or maybe in the future, something like we were talking about before, the AI chat. Right, right. Um, and at some point it says, all right, we figured out, we've gotten a lot of info from you and we haven't answered your question. Now we're going to go to a human. And I think that's really good because it saves the amount of uh, workers needed to demand sure. support. Also, it gives that support person, hopefully, if done right, a big head start, right? Hopefully, they're not starting off. We all hate it when we do phone support, and then you get transferred to somebody, and they're like, okay, let's start off. Tell me your name. It's like, yes. well, I just spent 15 minutes telling somebody my whole story of what's wrong here, and I have to start again. But hopefully, with uh, chat, the idea is that you know they say, oh, you're having a problem with your computer. What type of computer do you have? What app are you talking about? All this stuff, what's going on? And all that then goes to a person that says, hold on, we're sending you a person. A couple minutes later, somebody comes on who's read all of that. Right. And they come on and say, oh, hello, Mr. Rosenzweig. So you're having trouble with this particular thing, and this is what's going on. Let's see if we can figure that out. That is a great use of the time of the support person and of your time. Right. Right. But also I like it when it just stays in chat, you know, text chat completely because yes. you can do other things oh, in a much yeah. better way while you're chatting. Not everything's an emergency. Not everything is like, I need something right now. There's something important going on. Sometimes it's like, I, I had a question about my health insurance renewal, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be on hold for 20 minutes and all of that. I was perfectly fine having a little chat window open asking my question and then continuing with my work. And a few minutes later, when somebody responded to me, I asked them another question and then a few minutes later, et cetera. And I felt like I lost no time. Right. And, um, uh, and so it's interesting because you've got, you've got your phone customer support, which I think might be going away uh, or, or at least as the first tier you've got text. And then you've got also the idea that you could submit a support query, right? Right. which is like a, not a chat. I'm going to submit something. Maybe it's a, uh, about some software you've got. You know, how, to, how do I do this in my image editor? You submit it, and then you don't expect to hear until an hour or two or a day or two later a response. Um, sometimes these are tiered uh, depending upon what you, like the level of support you pay. Uh, you know, you could pay like for a subscription to something at the low end, and then it says you'll get uh, support questions answered within a day. And right. then sometimes you pay for a higher end and it says you get support questions answered immediately via live chat. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the AI chat could hook into it. I think algorithmic chat, which is what's used mostly now, probably works better because it's just easy. You know what? It's, it's easy to ask a bunch of questions. Like if it's a piece of, uh, if it's a company that sells technology, like say a company that sells webcams, right. they could ask you, which webcam do you have? Right. Have you tried installing the new firmware? You know, right. all this stuff, which computer are you using? What version of the operating system? Have? All of that, get that all answered before it goes over to a live chat with somebody. Have you tried turning it off and back on? Yeah, all yeah. that. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that could be the best use of people's time. And I think I think we're evol hopefully evolving to that. I I. I think it's very clear that's the right thing. I don't have full confidence that we'll get there, like because companies sometimes do stupid things. Um, the um, yeah, um, yeah the tie into AI is very interesting. Um, I, I, it's very coincidental, but I do think that yes, something like the technologies, at least represented by Chat GPT. They're not going to make customer support go away. I think what they'll do yeah. is they'll move that. Um, uh, that boundary between what we might traditionally call first and second level support. Yeah, definitely. In other words, first level support will be able to do a certain amount of things. Like today, it's mostly uh, what we used to call expert systems, which is basically uh, a decision tree based on Q&A, right? You know, have you done this? Yes or no. Have you done this? Yes or no. Um, and then data collection, what model um, you know, do you have, uh, what computer do you have, that kind of stuff. That's all wonderful stuff that can, that, that lends itself to automation. Um, chat GPT type technology would allow for a little bit more interpretation and perhaps even inference based on the kinds of responses and perhaps even the kinds of, um, of things. I honestly, I, I, my belief is that a lot of these machine learning models, um, are, 
I'm not even sure how best to describe this. It's not like they're understanding what it is you're doing. What they're doing is they're understanding the similarity between what you're doing and what you're saying as compared to the massive database of mm -hmm. what millions of other people have said and done. Um, so uh, the, the the description that I used in, in the article um, uh, that's coming out in a couple of weeks is that machine learning is really uh, literally that machine starts by knowing nothing. You feed it. Uh, five million pictures, half of which are dogs, and tell the you know, and the and the, and they're labeled as such as this is a dog, and the other half are not, and they're labeled as such. The machine learns from the different characteristics what is and is not a dog in a picture, um, and that way, it doesn't matter what picture you give it or how you even phrase the question. Um, it has all of this data that says, yep, this is a dog and this is not a dog. I think the same thing applies to a lot of these customer support scenarios, because as you and I know, right, 80% of the questions that I get are essentially repeats of questions I've already gotten. Right. And that means that the nuance is understanding the wording that's being used that reflects the question that's truly being asked. That's the kind of stuff that these AI and machine learning models, I think, are going to really help um, focus. And hopefully, I think um, what we're not doing yet in a lot of these, I don't think anyway, is having live models. Uh, like, for instance, that dog situation, you know, half these pictures are dog, half aren't. That's right. like, here's the full set, million pictures, now go. Um, in a tech support situation, it could be like, maybe it's tech support for an energy company, right? Your local electricity right. company. Right. It, it's You don't feed like last year's questions in and expect it to like be able to answer like questions today. If you fed in the questions real time, then say if there was a uh, power outage in the morning, right? Um, the first few people that call in or chat in um, right. would maybe have to, a live person would have to help them. But then after a while, the AI picks it up and says, oh, okay, I'm getting what's going on here. And then intervene. Uh, that's probably a bad example. But if it's something more unusual, like for instance, uh, okay, there's a new update to Mac OS and it does something unusual, makes something not work. The first few times a real tech support person helps out, but then after enough data is in, now it could be automatically answered as a question um, in real time. Whereas last year's data won't help, but this morning's data or the data from the last 20 questions that came in now helps uh, hone that model. Uh, and and yep. now I feel bad then for uh, the people that the live people doing support, because you know what that means is it means all the simple questions will be taken care of. And if the they actually get to the real live person, then it's a tough one. <laughs> you know, it's an unusual one. It depends and, on who you're hiring for that job. I mean, yes, that does yeah. mean that um, you basically end up having to hire more technical people for those kinds of roles because the questions that finally make it to them, as you say, are going to yeah, be the more complex going ones. To be tough. So they don't get a break. They don't get a, you know, 10 times in a row, turn it off, turn it off and turn it on again. And but then they could be out, sick and that's tired of saying, let's, let's investigate. <laughs> They could be sick and tired of saying turn it off and turn no, it off. No, but it could be 10 different turn off. You know, there yeah. could be like, oh, oh, yes, you need to have you switched this setting. Uh, right. Oh, that could happen because you didn't type this in correctly. You know, these are easy ones. Yeah, give me more. I can I can build these all day. And then you finally get one that's like, oh, this is a good one. Let's go and let me share. Let's share screens. Let's dig down and, and figure out what's going on here. Right. A variety might be nice for a tech support person. Right. Yeah. Some yeah. Good ones. And then some easy ones. And then your day is done. Whereas it's like, <laughs> no, these are all going to be tough. That's all you're going to get. Instead of 100 people answering easy questions most of the day and a few tough ones, we're down to two people. And all you're going to get is really tough ones all day long. Yeah, I don't know. Depending on the person, that could <laughs> that could be a good job. And depending right? on, the, except that we know in tech support, the tough the toughest ones are usually the uh, I don't know, or uh, that can't be done. That can't be done. Or, exactly. I guess that's, that's I a bug. Yes. I'll. I guess that's a bug, and it's just not working. You know that kind of thing. So you get to a bunch of those. It's uh, funny when I take a look at my um, the analytics for things like my videos and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, the the videos that I get the highest views on are the ones where the answer is ultimately you can't do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is unfortunate, and that's that that I absolutely can understand will be really frustrating. I have to say that I do like you. I do appreciate chat. 
Um, I don't necessarily want to get shuffled off to a phone. I'm happier mm, yeah. typing in answers um, and having it transition from an automated system that is uh, collecting data um, and potentially making some initial determinations based on that data, maybe even field uh, uh, directing it to the right support person or the right you know, department or whatever. These are all things that are wonderfully automatable. But then, yes, to have a real person um, jumping in and typing in don't care. That's great. If they can answer my questions, I'm happy with that. And like you said, it's one of those things where if I know that that's going to happen, I can just have the chat window off to the side and I can be doing other things and getting on with my day. Mm. Um, it is absolutely frustrating when uh, you call in and you are given a phone tree and it's clear that the phone tree's job is not necessarily to answer your question, but either to direct you to the website, hmm. which can't do whatever it is you're wanting to do, because otherwise you would have done that already, or preventing you from reaching a real human. Uh, when you do finally reach a real human, it's so frustrating when you've gone through, um, like in your case, you were talking about your medical insurance. When I call my medical provider, one of the first things they do is they have you punch in your uh, medical ID. Okay, great. I've punched in my medical ID. Why do I have to tell the person who finally picks up the phone what my medical ID is? Yeah. That should be on the screen mm. in front <sighs> of them. Um, and yes, I understand that they need to confirm I am who I say I am, but they're already, already asking me, um, you know, okay, what's your birth date? Um, you know, those kinds of things, just to confirm you are who you say you are. Uh, but yeah, it's funny because I mentioned on the, of all places, the Microsoft Old Timers Forum on Facebook. Um, I was complaining about how uh, the AI that has uh, started, that now takes care of the news stories that appear on the msn.com homepage, uh -huh. um, it apparently went sideways last week and started uh, posting uh, conspiracy theories and Sasquatch and those kinds of stories <laughs> basically turned the MSN homepage into the weekly world news. If you remember that tab, that supermarket tabloid from mm. years gone past. Um, and the, the discussion in the group basically turned out, turned into, uh, you know, yep. I, I hate it when, uh, you know, every, when companies that are supposedly providing support, they invite you to chat with a bot instead and then at the same time, they take you to a phone tree that is just designed not to uh, connect you with a human every time. Um, all mm. of these cost-cutting measures, uh, I don't know. I, I got to I gotta say, Frontiers is, I, it's another reason that I probably would never choose Frontier. Um, travel, as you say, you've got a ticket. You've got a real thing. You're you're mm. you're in a strange city. You're stranded, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You need help now. You want to talk to a person. Uh, I'm just not sure that I could uh, that I would be comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, pretty much the conversation I saw online when I read the news article. So, um, it's uh, yeah, I, and, I think it's going to work in some situations, not others, and yeah. And yes, whether it's iChat or I know some places are doing it over WhatsApp. Um, I know some places are doing it via text messaging. Don't care, right? Personally, I'm technology agnostic. As you know, I'm happy to use whatever technology. Um, but please don't make me talk to someone if I don't want to talk to someone. But um, if, if it answers my question, I'll use whatever technology is appropriate. But um, there are scenarios where absolutely the option to talk to somebody needs to be there. One of the things that you and I face pretty regularly, and in fact, goes back to those top uh, uh, viewed videos of mine, is that almost by definition, I mean, with Frontier, you're paying for a ticket, you've laid out some money, you expect some service in return. When where this comes up a lot for me, and I suspect for you as well, is when we're talking about free services like yeah. Gmail or Outlook.com uh, exactly. or Yahoo yeah. or whatever. Um, there is no there's nobody to call. There's no mm -mm. email address to email. There's none of that. There are no individuals whose job it is to help you. This is a free service. You are getting what you paid for. And that's the frustrating part that I think a lot of people still have trouble getting over. They see this as a very critical service or technology to their lifestyle, but they don't realize that it comes with this quote unquote cost of not having 
um, you know, someone to necessarily help them when they need it the most. But like I said, with something like Frontier, I've laid out real money. <laughs> I want something for that money. Um, you know, whether it's a, a couple of extra inches of legroom or somebody to help me get home when I'm stranded, um, there needs to be somebody. Yep. Hmm. Well, we've we've lived with email services like that for a long time, and I can't believe uh, sometimes that like it still works out. <laughs> like, like you know, I mean, I'm still using Gmail for things. It it doesn't. And... It, it isn't. It isn't. I'll, I'll, I'll say this to, to close in on this topic. Um, with something like Gmail and Outlook.com and so forth, there are things you can do to protect yourself. I get that, right? You can back up, you can duplicate, you can mirror, you can you know do all those things. You can do all the right security things to prevent your account from being hacked and so forth. Um, and yet people still lose their accounts, right? They lose everything that's in their email account or they lose everything that's in their online account. Um, that can be disastrous for some people. So whether or not that's really living with it or not, um, people are certainly dealing with the ramifications. Uh, when that's, it's in some ways it's different, although I can, I could see it being as, almost as important depending on what people are doing. Um, it's quite different than when you are in a, um, a physical service like an airline flight. Uh, I just, it would make me really, really uncomfortable. Um, if, if I, if the um, if the ability to back up things like your email, if the ability to take appropriate security precautions on your own um, weren't as prevalent as they are, um, I would be even more strongly recommending against free services, even Gmails. Um, the fact is, you can you a lot of this is in your control, but you need to do it beforehand. That's not necessarily the case uh, when you are uh, purchasing a service from someone. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, let's see what's cool this week. You know, I don't have a lot that's cool this week. I really don't. I'm still recovering from the holidays. I actually um, uh, had a head cold coming out of it. I think somebody brought it along to Thanksgiving as a gift and several mm. of us walked away with with this. Um, you didn't notice a couple of times, but I had to mute my microphone while I had a small coughing fit. Um, but there's just random stuff that and some of it I've mentioned before. Um, I'm actually enjoying Mastodon. Um, it's, it's so far a much more inviting and informative experience than say Twitter. I'm still getting news from Twitter because all the news outlets are still doing their automated postings out there. And a lot of the, the public service, uh, folks, I mean, they really don't know where else to post for that kind of stuff. And I get that, but when it comes down to discussions of technology or news in the technology space. Uh, like I said, a lot of this chat GPT, that's all been really interesting discussion that's been going on on Mastodon. Um, I also do now have a post.news account, which I guess is another Twitter alternative that has been very slowly ramping up and I've been experimenting with that. Hopefully more news people will show up there. Um, I've been playing with um, If This Then That and Zapier to automate some of the uh, the postings since I've got all of these social media accounts and I've got all these sources of information. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm trying to make happen is uh, when I post an article to Ask Leo that it automatically then gets posted to Mastodon and then everything that I post on Mastodon, whether it be this automated stuff or just the posts that I make myself, then get automatically posted over to Twitter. And if something shows up on YouTube, anyway, if this, then that and Zapier, um, are tools that allow you to basically stitch a lot of these dissimilar services together. Unfortunately, uh, they the Venn diagram of the services that they each support overlaps a lot, but not completely, mm. which is why uh, Zapier, for example, I think has the, the better um, RSS reader. Um, it's the one... I forget, one of them could do Telegram because I'm also posting to a Telegram channel. Um, one of them does a better job with RSS. So I end up having to use both depending on which two services I'm connecting. Um, but I've been having fun just sort of playing around with that stuff as well, as well as continuing to work on the uh, uh, the Macrium Reflect online course, 
which I say is about, um, I'll say about 40% done. Um, folks that had access to the book in the past or some of my Silver Lover patrons have been actively giving me feedback. And that's been kind of fun because I've been able to react and do things to the course uh, in response to their feedback uh, and basically make it better, of course. Um, so that's, it's just, I've been playing this week and that's been cool. Cool. Uh, I'll do a more traditional and talk about yep. books and TV. Uh, in this case, the same book and TV show. Um, I, I noticed that there was a new Amazon show called The Peripheral and it looked interesting. And then it said, uh, based on a book by William Gibson, I was like, I love William Gibson. Why haven't I yeah. ever heard of this book? And so I started watching the TV show and instantly realized not only had I heard of the book, I had read it, so, <laughs> but I couldn't remember anything. So I went back, I'd read it. It turns out eight years ago when it first came out. So I actually went back. It wasn't a very long book, reread the book, uh, which I, I kind of remembered everything after uh, reading just, you know, a few pages. Uh, but I was like, oh, it's a good one. So I read through it. And then I watched the TV show, which I rarely ever do, like do something. You know, the TV show was there, queued up, waiting for me to finish the book. And as soon as I was done the book, I, I watched the TV show. So interesting story, sci-fi, hardcore sci-fi, uh, cyberpunk type story. Um, definitely worth definitely worth reading. The TV show, also worth seeing, but they diverge from each other Uh plenty <laughs> okay so right. you know if you like the characters and you like the premise watch another story that's the same characters and the same premise but a different story i mean marginally so it's interesting and i think actually it was the kind of thing i almost felt like i was in a film or video school or or storytelling school maybe uh thinking about like oh interesting choices to start with the same root of a story and then oh yeah i see what they did there in the tv right. in the tv right. series versus the 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 book but which is better you know and it was like well they both have advantages disadvantages anyway fascinating stuff so What's i kind of recommend them both can you share the the premise is the premise shared enough between the yeah, two well the, the yeah the the premise is it's slightly in the future from now there's some cyber tech involved you know out there uh like 10 years from now or so and um the um there is basically uh, the ability to put on a peripheral to go into a VR, like a VR headset kind of thing, but much more advanced mm -hmm. and play games. Uh, but um, the main character goes into one as a tester and everything seems way too real. And it uh, turns out she's not in a game. She's actually at another location and actually, you find out very quickly, uh, she's in another time. Ew, so kind of time travel, yep. but the time travel is only data-based. Right. So what right. could you do in a sci-fi world where you can't actually physically travel through time, but you can communicate digitally with another time? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that does sound good. And how many episodes? Uh, I think it's eight episodes, um, and the book's fairly short. A good, you know, if you like uh, William Gibson, you know, he's written so many great uh, cyberpunk right, right. and uh, novels that have really uh, hit the nail on the head. And, you know, this one was written in 2014. So it's already, there's already been enough time <laughs> that has gone by, even in those eight years, to be able to go and say, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Oh, wait a minute. He wrote that in 2014? Mm, right. Okay. <laughs> he, he, he knows where things are going. Very cool. Well, I, it's funny because I've I kind of stalled on some of my reading recently, and I, I needed something to to it's, jog yeah. me out. So this sounds yeah. like a good a good one. Yep. Alrighty. Um, in our blatant self promotion uh, alternative to advertising, I'm going to point people this week at your social media posts can all disappear. It's askleo.com/slash one five zero one two six. This actually dovetails or or expands actually into something more than just social media. Yes, it starts with with Twitter and whether or not, you know, Twitter could go away, fine. It, it may or may not, doesn't really matter. But the point is, whatever content you put on somebody else's site, be it social media like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, or for example, MySpace, um, or if you're building a business and you're doing it on somebody else's platform, you run the risk of it all going away in an instant. And there are things you need to do uh, so that if that happens, I'm not even going to say it will happen, but if that happens, because it can, 
uh, you are prepared and it's not the disaster that it has sometimes been for some people. Cool. I'm going to point to a video uh, for this week called macOS Remove Background Tips and Tricks. Uh, macOS Ventura and the latest versions of iOS and iPadOS added the ability to, depending upon how you look at it, lift or copy the subject out of a photo or remove the background. They're the same thing if you think about it, right? right? So they the names are used kind of interchangeably all over right. the place. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of tool that people like you and me with graphics tools that are uh, at our disposal have yep. been able to do for a long, long time. Yes. Uh, but now it's just par being part of the OS and being easy to do in a variety of different situations, I think is kind of opening up some creative floodgates for a lot of people that have never actually even played with something like this before. So I decided to do a video showing just a whole bunch of different things. You can, not, not focusing on here, you can do this, step one, step two, step three. But okay, now that you know that you can do this, here are some things you can do with it. Right, so. right, very cool. Yeah, remove background kind of features are, are pretty interesting, especially for, um, like for you and I, we use it a lot, I'm sure, on things like thumbnails yep, or I, I do. Featured, featured images or header images for our articles and stuff. So yep. Yep. Very cool. All righty. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for another week. Um, yep. If you've got uh, questions or comments for us, you can find our show notes and leave us a comment at tehpodcast.com slash teh177. Thanks as always for listening. And we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.